This evening we are continuing our study in the book of the first epistle of John and we are in uh, chapter 2 and verse 15. Chapter 2 and verse 15. This is what it reads. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you notice in this in a short verse, three times the word world is used. Jesus in his high priestly prayer prayed, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. So the Lord's intention is that we would not be taken out of the world, but we would remain in the world, but still not be of the world. But this is where then Satan comes along and then says, hey, look here, if you're in the world, all that is in the world is really what matters. Okay? And then he will try and put into our minds the thought that this world is everything. You make it or break it here in this world. And that's the world's philosophy or you know, the concept of the world, which will say, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. So enjoy as long as you have life here in this world. But John writes this and starts it off as a command and says, we cannot do both together. Just as much as Jesus said, you cannot love God as well as love money. John is writing here and says, you cannot love the world and love the Father as well. Because love for the world crowds out or pushes out love for the Father. Also, on the other hand, if we really love the Father, then that would push out the love for the world in our lives. In other words, if we are satisfied with something, you are not really going to look for satisfaction elsewhere. So that's why this evening, John, through this passage, is asking us this question. What do you really love? Do you love the world? Do you love the Father? Another translation of this verse puts it across this way. It says, stop considering the world precious with the result that you love it and the things in the world. If anyone has a habit of life, is considering the world precious and is therefore loving it, there does not exist the Father's love in him. It says, stop considering, you know. Do not even for a moment think that this world is everything. This is why this passage starts off with this thought, with this command to say, do not love the world. Now, the battleground for this is our mind. So what goes into our mind? What do we think about all the time? Do we think about the world and all that it has to offer? Or do we think about God and all that he has offered to us in Christ? Paul, if you notice, spoke about Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. Paul, when he is writing at the end of his life, says, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas was working together with Paul. And now when Paul is in prison, maybe has come and noticed him, seen the trouble that he is going through. Or maybe he has thought about you know, at the end of all that Paul has done for God, if this is how it is going to end, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'll rather enjoy 
what the world has to offer. Therefore, he forsook his co-laborer and went to Thessalonica, which was a large cosmopolitan city on a trade route of Asia. Now, why did he go there? Maybe that is what was another allurement for him, the materialistic and the immoral things that were there, available over there. And that showed that Demas was never a lover of God. And this is the, the point that John is communicating to us today. It cannot happen. We cannot say, I have one foot in the world and one foot with God. It won't turn up, continue on. Sooner or later, you are going to fall down. And sooner or later, that will show whether you really belong to God. The world is constantly putting into our minds this thought that this, the only important thing in, a, in this world is this life. So as a result, you know, just do it. Just whatever gives you pleasure, whatever gives you joy, go ahead, enjoy it. You only live once. So as a result, enjoy, make the best of what you can. And John reminds us, says, hey, that's the world's philosophy. Be careful about it. So let's look at this command this uh, evening. If you notice this verse 15, it starts off with this command and then it progresses further in the next couple of verses and gives us reasons why this command is valid. But this evening we are looking only at this command in verse 15 where it says, do not love the world. Do not love the world. Now oftentimes you remember this word love, which is in a agape, which is the most pure form, you know, speaking about the unconditional, sacrificial love which God himself expresses towards us as undeserving, sinful men. But this word also actually speaks of a love which is based on evaluation and a choice, okay? And based on the evaluation, you make that choice. So when you're speaking about agape, the Lord looks at us and counts us of value and as a result was willing to show his unconditional love for us. So John writing here says, consider for a moment, if you're going to think about what the world is offering as valuable, then you're not really a lover of God. So it is a strong word that he uses over there. It's a command that he uses, you know, where two thoughts can be thought of over here. One would be people who are already loving the world. And John is writing and saying, hey, put a stop to that. Okay, do not love the world. Do not think that you can have one foot here and one foot there. Or also it could be as a, a warning that he is making this command and saying, don't ever think about loving this world. But in either way, it is a command. Okay? John is not saying, don't love the world too much. But John is saying, do not love the world at all. Do not love the world at all. Commentator F.F. Bruce puts it across this way, where he says, worldliness does not lie in the things we do, or in places we frequent, it lies in the human heart, in the set of human affections and attitudes. So he's saying worldliness is not in the external, but it is actually in the internal. 
Let's consider that word world. Do not love the world. The word that is used there is cosmos. Cosmos basically means to put into order something that is well arranged, something which has an order, something in which there is a harmony, some, something in which you know, it's an ordered system. So, John, when he's writing over here, is saying the world's moral and ethical system is so very different from God's system. It may seem as if it is in order. It may seem as if externally things are all fitting into place, but internally it is not. So be careful. In fact, the, from this word cosmos, we get our English word, uh, na, cosmos, which means the ordered universe, or we get the word cosmopolitan, which means a citizen of the world, or even the word cosmetics, you know, comes from this word cosmos. Cosmetics basically speaks about those things we put on in order to bring order out of chaos, basically speaking about the external. So, what John is saying over here is do not focus your attention on what the world says is the general order, the ethical standard of what fits into place. Putting it in another words, it would mean do not subscribe or give in to the world's point of view, to the world view that the world has to say, hey, this is what life is all about. This is what makes life work. Do not give in to that. If you notice the classic example of you know, uh, loving the world would come in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 11, where we speak about you know, the Tower of Babel. <coughs> you find in verse 9, it says, you know, they decided to come together and erect this tower before the Lord. In other words, they were saying, hey, this is the system we are going to make. And oftentimes people speak about this as you know, a tower that they wanted to build to reach up to God. Instead of depending on God which, who gives us meaning in life, they said, we are going to design a system which will put God in his place, as it were, and give us meaning in life. In other words, they wanted to create God in their own image. They wanted to create a world system that would think, you know, make things work out. And oftentimes, when you think about the world's progress, its technology, its government, and its organization, you know, they can make man better off, but not really better. Because we like being better off, it is easy to fall in love with the world. But the story of the Tower of Babel shows us that the world system, as impressive and winning as it appears to be, will never win out over God. And that's why the Lord defeated the rebellion at the Tower of Babel easily, because the world system will never win out for God. So when John is saying over here, do not love the world, he is basically saying, do not adopt your thinking patterns to the, how the world views things. Now, now, some people have taken to an extreme. Some people would say, hey, if that is going to be the case, you know, then I'm going to get out of this world, go into the hills and the mountains and live a monastic separated life from the world. Now, that's not what John is speaking of here. John is speaking about an inner attitude of separation 
from the sinful world and its practices. So he's saying, be careful. The world is trying to squeeze you into its mold, into the way it thinks. Now, all throughout the day, you know, during the week, you know, we are being bombarded in our minds with the thought patterns of this world. Whether it's in our interaction with people around us, in our work spot, in our neighborhoods, or whether it's in what we see and read, it is the world's thinking that is coming into our minds. And if we are not careful, we would adopt those at our, as our own, and we would love that. Now, John is saying, be careful. And oftentimes, in an effort to be relevant and to reach our culture, we try and become just like the culture around us and lose our distinctiveness. So when J.B. Phillips' translation of Romans chapter 1 says, do not allow the world to squeeze you into its mold, that's the thought that John is speaking about here. He says, do not allow the world's viewpoint to get into you. But sad to say, Demas, at the end of Paul's life, allowed that pattern to step into him. And when Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Be careful of what we are seeing, what we are hearing. It is very easy for us to say, hey, this is what life is all about. Whether the, you know, the things that are present, you know, projected on the screen, whether it's the thought patterns that are there to say, this is what life is all about. Now, be careful. Because if we just think it is very logical, we would soon get out from following after God and adopting these patterns and the love for the Father will grow cold. Or it will also show whether we really had the love for God. So he says, do not love this world. It's a command. Then he moves further and says, neither the things in this world. In other words, he's saying, you know, this... Uh, now, uh, world's philosophy is like a magnet then which attracts all these things of this world, the things of this world. When that is in verse 16, he speaks about it in more detail. What are the things where he speaks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. But this evening, when you are speaking about the world's pattern of thinking and the things that the world is offering to us, to mold us into its pattern of thinking. Now, things can include material objects, which are otherwise ethically neutral, and which one can innocently desire to possess. An example of this could be fine clothes, or big homes, or cars, or you know, you know, things that the world is offering, which are you know, nothing wrong in itself. You know, they're not evil in themselves. But if they disclose a heart that shows that you love and desire them more than you love and desire God, be careful. It is going to, you're going to be slowly sucked into the world's pattern of thinking. Oftentimes, the world thinks that you know, uh, the more you have, the happy you will be. But remember, you can be poor in things, but still love them while one who is enriched in things can still use them as a good steward. So it is not things which is the problem, but it is in our, our attitude to it. Okay? 
oftentimes people say isn't it that the problem is not you know with the possessions but when the possessions begin to possess us and uh, that is what the problem comes in so john is saying this is a command do not allow the world's thinking to creep into you and he says evaluate yourself evaluate yourself what are the things that you are thinking about if i have this you know then you know i would be happy do you think you'd really be happy that's what the world is saying but we should be able to say even if i don't have anything but if i have the lord i love the lord that is what true joy is all about by the way the word happiness comes from the word hap which means lucky so people think constantly about luck isn't it and that's the world's philosophy but the christian understanding is nothing happens to us by chance god is the one who is in charge so where is our focus is our focus on what the world is giving to us and saying hey if you have this you'll be happy or lucky are you looking for that luck all the time or are you basing your joy in what god has to offer the fact that he is in charge he is in control and that should be our thought pattern all the time so he says do not love this world neither the things that are in the world good in themselves you know but do not put your heart on that you know you know be careful about it you know and then he says if anyone if anyone it's a hypothetical case over here he says if anyone loves the world then the love of the father is not in him now that is a very very strong statement he is making over that he says if anyone loves the world if this is the pattern of an individual for whom the world means everything the way the world is thinking is his thinking if that is the case then john is saying hey, that person doesn't really belong to god that person is not really a believer even at his earlier on he spoken about light and darkness you know walking in the light walking in the darkness keeping his commands then he specified what command you know to love one another now he is speaking about loving the father he saying hey check it out whether you really belong to god how can you check it out if anyone loves the world then the love of the father is not in him so when you're thinking about this you know if anyone loves the world he's speaking about a present tense he's speaking about if this is his lifestyle if this is his continual action then it shows that he doesn't really belong to god this phrase the love of the father is is the only new testament use of this particular phrase in john 1 john chapter 2 and verse 15 now what does it mean when it says the love of the father is not in him you know basically it means this person is an unsaved person he is not hearing god's voice at all for him loving god is not important in spite of thinking of what god has done for him on the cross his pattern of thinking his pattern of living is the same as the world is thinking and living then he says hey that's a sure proof sign that he doesn't really belong to god god's love does not dwell in him that is a strong statement to make but it is a true statement because you cannot do both together because if you say you love god then god's love is shed abroad in our hearts through the holy spirit 
And if the Holy Spirit is living in us, then we cannot love the world. That cannot be our thought patterns. That cannot be our lifestyle. And this is why he gives us the choice. You know, he says, then choose, choose your love. Either it's going to be the world or it's going to be the Father. It cannot be both. Just as much as Jesus told the Laodicean church, isn't it? And I wish that you were hot or cold. But since you are neither, I will spew you out of your mouth. There are no options over there to say that you can you know, have both and still be a believer. He says, no, not at all. Remember, John is writing this you know, episode to individuals who were in the church, exposed to heretical teaching, which basically said, hey, you can do whatever we want to, because it's the spirit that matters, the body doesn't matter at all. You can enjoy the world, no problem, as long as you're saved, that's all that matters. And that was the teaching of people in the church, the false teachers. And John is giving us some clear-cut directions to check up, to examine our lives, to find out whether the Spirit of God is really living in us. And even this evening, I believe, this is a time for us to stop and evaluate what consumes our thinking. What is our thought patterns? Is it the same thing like the thought patterns of the world of what is really important in life? Is your aspirations and ambitions in, our, in life the same as the world's aspirations and ambitions? Or are you really seeking to do God's purpose, to do God's will? Is that your heartbeat all the time? If it is so, then the Lord will say, or this passage will teach us, yes, you really belong to God. The love of the Father is in you. God loves you, cares for you. He is there in you and he is giving you the perspective of life as you study his word and you want to do his will. But if that is not there, if that is not there this evening, it's a good time to check up and find out, have you genuinely responded to God? It is not the question of we just saying yes, it's a question of God doing his work, taking his away the heart of stone and putting his spirit within us. If that has not happened, then we would still be thinking like the way the world thinks. And it's high time that we check up, evaluate, make sure. And if our love for God has grown cold, if the allurements of the world is taking precedence, this would be a warning sign even this evening for us to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I have allowed over a period of time because of all that I'm reading and thinking and listening to, my thought processes have become more centered around what the world has to offer. Help me, Lord, even this evening to turn to you and to put you in prime perspective, to put you in charge so that I will love you and you alone. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us this evening. Clear-cut words, strong command, where you say very clearly, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's not a question of loving the world less. It's a question of not loving the world at all. Father, we pray that you'd help us even this evening as your word has come to us, that you'd help us to evaluate our thought patterns. Are we thinking like the world? Or has our thought patterns changed? It's a battle for the mind each day. We pray, Lord, that we will put you in charge 
and that our love for you would be the top prominent thing and everything that we say and do and think and read will be centered around that. Help us, Lord, we pray, for we ask this with thanksgiving in Jesus' precious name. Amen.